0: This is a message from Life Church Leads. We hope it encourages and helps you. I'm just going to open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this moment, our oh God where we get together each week and hear your word preached pray, Lord God, that you would really speak to us today. I pray that you would speak through me. Help me to be a vessel, O oh God, of yours to just deliver your word to your people. And so, God, I just pray for boldness and courage. Oh God, as you have called me to preach your word, I pray for soft hearts and for listening ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. It's so, so good to be in the house of God today and have the privilege of sharing the word and it's so good to see such a packed house like man there's so many people here this is incredible it's good that people are coming to church to hear about Jesus Christ and to hear about the work that he has done in saving people it's an amazing work and I want to spend uh you know the next what what we've got 30 minutes um with you guys Wrapping up what we've been discussing, you know, we've been speaking about Acts in Leeds, the book of Acts. If you're not familiar with the book of Acts, it is essentially, um, it's a book written by um, a guy called Luke. And he was one of the 12 disciples. And he's written this book speaking about when Jesus ascended, Jesus died, resurrected, um, and then he ascended into heaven. And he's, he's speaking about the works that the apostles then did as a result of Jesus now going. So Jesus goes into heaven, Holy Spirit comes, and now this book is all about the works that the apostles did as a result of Jesus going and the mandate being upon them to establish the church. And so in week one, Pastor Dave spoke a lot about going back to basics, the basics of a church, what are the basics of a church, and he spent a bit of time in Acts 2, uh, verses 42 which speaks about, um, it says when the early church formed, that they devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And they devoted themselves to these four things, and we saw that the church grew exponentially. Um, And then in week two, uh, Stu spoke about ways in which we as a church, we can come closer together, different ways, you know, speaking um, about um, Paul when he met with Ananias and what Ananias did in laying hands and healing him and feeding him and got drawing closer to a man who was a murderous man, previously murdering Christians. And Ananias has the bravery and the courage led by the spirit of God to go and minister to this man and how we ourselves can draw nearer to one another, draw nearer to our neighbors and minister to them also. And then Pastor Dave in week three spoke about signs and wonders and how we should expect signs and wonders and some of the reasons why we see blockages at times. And, and then last week we had Rich Martin preach um, and he spoke about the power of the gospel. And he quoted a verse, it's one of my favorite verses, uh, Romans 1 and 16, which says, for I am unashamed of the gospel For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he really spoke about how powerful the gospel is. And if we don't even know, like, let's say the basics of the gospel, he says the one thing we can always do is just declare the name of Jesus. Declare the name of Jesus over people's lives because the name of Jesus is powerful. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved and that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And so, yeah, we preach the gospel. And so I want to spend some moments with us today talking about the power of the spirit, the power of the spirit of God. Last week was the power of the gospel. I want to talk about the power of the spirit, um, And when I say the Spirit, I mean the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Because I think, you know, when you do some research into the book of Acts, there's like in your book it might read, when you open it up, it might say the Acts of the Apostles. Or it might just say Acts by itself. But when you really do some reading into this book, you find that this is very much more so the Acts of God through the Apostles. This is more so God at work through man. And I think it's fundamentally important that we understand that. Because I think it's so easy for us to almost make demigods out of these people. You know, and you're reading about Peter and you're reading about Paul and and Silas and Barnabas and some of the works that these guys did. You're talking about them walking down streets and people being healed by just being in their shadow. You're talking about being bit, like being bit by a snake and not poisoned. Prison, um, jails, they're breaking open and people are being set free. There's all sorts of miracles that are taking place. And it's very easy for us to see this and think, man, like, I, I don't think that's feasible for me. Like, I don't know if I'm on the same wavelength as these guys. I don't know if this is something that is attainable for me. Because when we look at ourselves, we're. We're normal people, and this is very, very abnormal, like very abnormal. It is not normal for a dead person to be raised from the dead like Dorcas was. And so I really want to emphasize today and highlight how much the Bible speaks about how it was the Spirit of God at work in these people. And most importantly, apply this to our lives in the fact that we have the same Spirit of God living in us. and that what's fundamentally important is is that these guys were empowered not to just do miracles and signs and wonders for the sake of a miracle and a sign of a, and a wonder but they were doing it so that the words that they preached were verified and so the emphasis is on the sharing of the gospel The miracles and signs and wonders, they accompanied it to make sure that what they were saying was true so the people would understand and believe. So it's almost like the miracles, signs and wonders were secondary, but what is primary in the book is that they're empowered by the Spirit of God to share the gospel. And so I just want to... If you could turn with me, I just want to read um, two sections of Acts. I want to read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then I'm going to skip quickly to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 1 through to 13. And so, yeah, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then 2 and verse 1 through to 13, it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Proselytes. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. And here we see, I want to like essentially wrap up this whole series by concluding at the beginning, like, right? And looking at what happened when the spirit of God fell upon the people. Here we see uh, you've got the, the early church who have come together. Or, or shall I say the apostles and a few more people. There's about 120 people and they're gathered together. And this is not too long after Jesus has just he's resurrected. He's been, he's been present for a, a time. He's shown himself to various people. I think it's around about 500 people. And then he ascends into heaven. And as he ascends into heaven they' They're all gathered in this place and they start praying, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and it says in verse eight of, of chapter one that the Holy Spirit came upon them um, sorry, Jesus promised when he left he said that I will leave you he said, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit um, and he will come upon you to make you witnesses in all the parts of the earth, to make you witnesses in all the parts of the earth He's making them witnesses. They need the spirit of God to witness the gospel. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, you see a bunch of things in, in, throughout the book of Acts. It's a phenomenal book. I'm telling you, if you haven't read it for yourself, what I recommend, there's this, um, it's like this, this, I don't know what you'd call them, but basically this company called Streetlights, what they do is they interpret, they read the Bible out with a bit of music in the background. It's a great way of just listening to the word. And so if, you know, if you're know you a person who struggles to read, put it on. If you go onto Spotify or Apple Music and search Streetlight and then Acts, and just listen to Acts, the book of Acts, and listen to what these people did, it's phenomenal what God did through them. But one of the key aspects and one of the key things in this all, for me anyway, is where Paul and Peter stand before the council of the Jews and preach like time after time after time. Because at that time you had the Jewish people who were afraid of what was being preached because there were people who were coming to the faith and they were departing from Judaism, they were departing from uh, this way of life and this religion and they felt threatened by it. They felt that these people like Paul and Peter and those who were preaching the gospel were blaspheming and so what they wanted to do is persecute them to stop them from preaching The gospel. But we find in the text that the more they were persecuted is the more the gospel spread. There's there's a saying that goes, the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. The blood of the saints is the seed of the church. Persecution causes almost the gospel to spread. But these guys, anyway, they're standing before council after council because they're preaching the gospel in the synagogues or in the temples and the Jews are getting angry at them because people are converting. And so they're making false accusations against them to stand trial in court that they would be killed or that they would be imprisoned or they would be tortured in some way, shape or form. And time after time after time, you see people like Paul stand up to the council and preach the word of God. They don't falter in their preaching. It says that they prayed. You see, in Acts chapter 4, they prayed, they says, and then boldness came upon them. The Spirit of God came upon them, and they stood with boldness and then preached. You read in Acts chapter 7, Stephen does the same thing. He's this man who's he's about, he's he stood before the council of Jews, um, and he's been held um, based on false witness. And in that time, they expect him to falter and, and to recant Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he speaks boldly and declares the gospel to them. And he says that Jesus has risen. He's preached about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has risen. Meaning that we no longer have to follow this law. We now follow grace that we find in Jesus Christ. And the point of emphasis is that the Spirit of God is at work in them. So that when they stood before their accusers and when they stood before those who want to stone them and persecute them, there was still a boldness to declare. Still. And I'm so captivated by it because partially one, you know, I feel God has called me to preach the word of God. And so when I see faithful men of God like that preaching the word in spite of what's before them, man, it, it does something within me. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie, there's a part of me that really cowers in fear at times. Thinking about what the response of people might be when I share this message. Like, I don't know if you've ever been there. Like, especially with people who you're close with. Because there's always that thought of, but but what if this is what's going to put distance between us? What about if I share this message with passion, I share this message with truth I share it with grace I share it in love but it's the one thing that separates us and that's hard and so the one thing I always pray for or the one thing I try to pray for is just this boldness that I see these men with because what I have to understand is it's the spirit of God at work it's it's not it's not anything on me, if that makes sense. What I mean, and in addition to that, it's not just the Spirit of God at work, but it's the fact that lest I preach the gospel, what will happen to them? It's almost like I am stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't know if you've ever felt that. You know, the Bible clearly tells us that those who believe in the gospel shall inherit eternal life. But those who don't will be separated from God eternally. And so I stand there thinking, oh, this is like I have have four siblings, none of them are believers. And I stand there thinking, man, I want to see my sisters and my brothers saved. But then at the same time, it's like I still want to have a close relationship with them and I don't want that wedge in between. And so. It always brings me to a place of prayer Prayer that I would have boldness like these men And the reason being is because Just like Rich preached last week Paul says he's unashamed of the gospel Because it is the power of God unto salvation And so if my heart's desire is to see these people saved Then I should share And if I don't know what to say then just say the babe and declare Jesus over their life in some way shape or form just do something that speaks about Jesus just just something you know one of the most encouraging texts or, or books I've ever read in the Bible is the book of Jonah I don't know if you've ever read it it's one of the most fascinating books it's it, it, Jonah's a prophet right and so the prophet represented God before the people right in the old testament you had priests you had prophets priests represented the people before God. So if I'm the priest and you're the people, I would go before God and say, God, please forgive these people for their sins. I would represent you before God. The prophet represented God before the people. So the prophet was God's mouthpiece to the people. And the book of Jonah is not necessarily God speaking directly through Jonah. It's a story about him. It's a story about the prophet. So that's the first thing that's a bit interesting about it. But the, the other part that's interesting about the book of Jonah is the fact that he's a disobedient prophet. You know, he's told to go to Nineveh to to share a message with the Ninevites. And the Ninevites are known as one of the most murderous people of the time. They killed people in such a savage way. It was was crazy. They would kill them and then string them up and leave them on poles. And then the the neighboring nations would pass by and see. The armies of the neighboring nations would pass by and see and they would tremble. And so Jonah... Becomes all self-righteous. And he's like, man, these people aren't deserving of hearing about God. I'm going to go in another direction. And so he heads to Tarshish. Long story short, you might know, that's where Jonah ends up getting thrown over the boat. He ends up being swallowed up by a big fish and taken to Nineveh anyway. And in the belly of the fish, he kind of repents, right? And he has this prayer with God. and He's like, God, I'm sorry. You know, I should have just went. You're know, your God after all. If you want me to go somewhere? I'm going to end up there. And so he's in Nineveh It says it's a three day journey to walk through the city It says he walks one and a half days Or one day into the city And he stands up and he says Something to the effect of In 40 days Nineveh's going to be overthrown And then just walks off. And that's the message he preached I think in Hebrew it's something like seven words He doesn't mention anything about God A need to repent of their sin Like how faithful and merciful God is He mentions nothing Right, And it, what happens is The entirety of the city Repent It says that they repented so much That they even they, the, hot, they, the, the king called a fast For the entire, the entire city For the entire people But he called a fast whereby Even the cows The cattle had to fast as well The cows weren't allowed to eat <laughs> that's, that's how sorrowful They were over their sin. That fills me with courage. Because it means that when I butcher it, (laughs) which I think everyone's probably done at some point. Yeah, absolutely butcher it. It's the spirit of God at work. It's the spirit of God at work in the background. And so don't read this amiss that it's the power of the spirit at work through men and the, the spirit of God can work through you. Sometimes it's not always a raising someone from the dead. Like, you know, like we were hearing from Pastor Dave, sometimes that's quite rare. But the point of the resurrection of the dead was so people would believe in the message. So the key part is the message. So we're to preach the message. And so how can we be led by the Spirit? Because this is what it comes down to, being led by the Spirit. We want the Spirit of God to be at work in us, leading us was following him and being guided by him if we read in, in galatians chapter 5 galatians 5 i'm going to read from verse 16 through to 26 it says uh, and this is paul speaking to the people of uh, galatia and he's he's talking to them about like you know they've put their faith in christ and now what it looks like to live from a place of faith like how James says faith without works is dead. It's a dead faith. And Paul's also saying here that, you know, your faith should have works and these are what your works should be. So verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Remember that. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things It's another key part. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. I want to stop there. How do we walk by the Spirit? Because I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to stand up here and say, you know, just follow the Spirit's leading. And then you have all kinds of internal, like thoughts, feelings. Maybe even words pop into your head You're like, oh shall I, shan't I And it's difficult to discern What should I do? Here in this text I think it, I think it explains it for us here It says two things It says to be, we can walk by the spirit And it says we can be led by the spirit Or that we can be led by the spirit Or we can walk by the spirit right? It says the two And to be led by the spirit is passive To walk by the spirit is active does that make sense? If I'm being led, the person who is leading me is the one directing. right? If I am to walk by the Spirit, that means it involves me. Because I am the one that's walking, right? So I'm led, but I'm also walking at the same time. We see in the Bible that, um, to kind of bring this round, in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, it, it kind of it speaks about... Um, it speaks about people who are led away. So we can be led by the Spirit, but it speaks about people who are led away from the faith. And one of the things that it says why they're led away from this faith is it essentially says that they follow after their sin. And what their sin does is it sears their conscience. So we all have a conscience. We all have like almost like a moral pointing towards what's right and wrong within us. Every single one of us have it. But it says of these people that they seared their consciences. And when you read into it, it's like as of with a hot iron. So if you imagine back in the day when, uh, let's say, we're all cattle farmers. I have my plot of land, you have your plot of land. And I will take a hot iron and brand a T into the back of the cattle. And you might take a hot iron and brand your initial into the back of your cattle. So if my cattle goes into your field, you will know that that's my cattle. And if yours comes into mine, I will know that that's yours. Now, that part where I've branded the tea on the cattle, all of the nerve endings are killed. It's dead. There's no sense. There's no feeling. And what he says is that sin brands our conscience as of with a hot iron. It burns and kills the nerve endings. When we repeatedly sin, we grow a hard heart. But what the text also tells us in various other parts, I mean, you know, Romans 9 and 1 tells us, but in other areas... That the spirit bears witness with our conscience And sometimes what happens is And and when I say sin I'm not even necessarily just talking about Like some of the things that were mentioned in Galatians 5 You know, drunkenness and all these things Sometimes it's just we feel a prompt from God And we reject the prompt And what it does is it hardens us a little bit And we continue in it And it hardens us a bit more and then when the Spirit of God is speaking to us, it's hard to hear because the conscience has become no, it become like almost numb and insensitive. And so for some of us, and I speak of myself in this at times, man, because it's so easy to feel the prompt and turn away because it might feel awkward for me to go up and share the gospel with this random person who I've never met. Like, what will they think of me? <laughs> that kind of thing. But it numbs your conscience a little bit. It does something to you. Yeah? I always think when the word of God goes forth, you have two choices, or not even two choices, two things happen. Your heart even becomes softened or your heart becomes hardened. One of the two. And I don't think you ever stay in the same place. And so for us to be led by the Spirit... I think this is why Paul mentions here in, uh, in Galatians for us to be led and for us to walk by the Spirit. I think part of that is for us to ensure that our consciences are sensitive. Fill ourselves with the word. The word feeds your conscience. It gives you the moral compass of that which is right and that which is wrong. It, it helps you to know the things of God. And so when, you know, you might feel the prompt or the urge to go and share with someone, and you kind of talk yourself out of it because I think we've all done it you you talk yourself out of it you have the scriptures within you that are there telling you the importance of this message that a person's eternity depends on it as Rich was saying I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it's the power of God unto salvation and even if we don't know the ins and the outs of the gospel you know you don't understand penal substitution and all of these fancy terminologies man at least with a soft heart share what you do know because just like God used Jonah in a reluctant like he was so reluctant but the spirit of God was still at work and still do he still did something in the hearts of those Ninevites and so let us Soften and make our consciences sensitive to the spirit of God and his leading and his doing you know I I, I think one of the I was I was praying the other day because I I preached a message in um, over in Bradford uh, for the YAs a couple of Thursdays ago and I was praying I was praying for the people praying that they would have a soft heart and stuff and as I was praying, I started thinking about the church, not like our church specifically, but the church at large in the UK. And I became like grieved. Just felt a real sense of grief within me. It's hard to describe us. I, <laughs> I felt so sad. I remember sharing with my wife, Tash, at dinner about it. And what I felt real grief about Was that I was preaching in Bradford on spiritual warfare So that's where my mind was I was thinking about spiritual warfare And what I felt is that One of the most biggest attacks of the enemy In in today's day and age I mean right now Is the silencing of the gospel You think how much the Bible's under attack It's antiquated, it's old We don't need the Old Testament, throw that out Like how many times and opportunities We could stand up and declare the gospel boldly but sometimes and if I'm completely honest sometimes we cloak fear with wisdom so oh, we've got to be wise but really we're afraid I'm not saying it's bad to be afraid it can be but guess what we have the spirit of God within us to bring boldness out of us alright but I was grieved because I really feel as though like we're being silenced It's sad to say, my generation, I'm 31 years old, my generation is the most biblically illiterate generation of all time. And we have the Bible more than ever, more than ever. We've never been more equipped. Yet we're less equipped than we've ever been as a people. And I think all it does is it silences the gospel. Because The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. But the enemy comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. And so, I want to summarize this message by reading the last bit of Acts. Acts chapter 28. And... Paul's been on this long journey. It's a long journey. I think it's from about Acts 13. He like sets off. um, I think think initially he sets off with Barnabas and then at some point they separate. Barnabas goes off with John Mark and Paul then goes off with Silas on another missionary trip. But he's going everywhere. He starts off like in, in Antioch, which is like, I think he's like close to Turkey and he works his way through Turkey over to Greece and then he ends up in Rome and he's been preaching the gospel faithfully in all these places suffering persecution suffering shipwreck there's one part which I'm always baffled by in Acts 14 where Paul he gets stoned by these people it was a way of death back then they would stone you to death gather a bunch of stones and all the Jewish leaders would just throw stones at you until you You're dead It's just savage Right This guy gets stoned And they think he's dead So they drag him out of the city Because it's unclean For a dead person To dwell amongst them And the disciples gather around him And it says Paul gets up And then the guy goes back Into the city Like what? (laughs) Talk about boldness The spirit of God Working in you And then he's on the run again I think he goes to Derby And then some other places But he goes to all these places Sharing the gospel so all he's doing sharing the gospel The spirit of God's at work in him And he's sharing the gospel And he comes to a place Where he, need, he wants to go back to Jerusalem Which is where he was initially going to suffer persecution And the, the Jews in Jerusalem wanted him dead There was a death sentence on Paul And Paul wants to go back Because he has a gift to give them He has a bunch of money So the church, they're saying Look, nah, you don't go, send someone else Send Silas, send Timothy, send somebody else to go. Paul, you don't go. We need you. And Paul feels his conviction. He's like, nah, I'm gonna go. Long story short, Paul goes, goes to Rome. And the Jewish leaders ask for Paul to be brought before the high council for court to be sentenced to death and for him to be killed. And a long story short, he gets put on house arrest. Right. And Paul's on house arrest in Rome for the preacher of the gospel. And guess what Paul does when he's on house arrest? He invites people around and he shares the gospel. (laughs) And so this is a part where Paul is sharing the gospel with Jews. He's inviting Jewish people around, the people who want to kill him. (laughs) Just think about that. He's inviting them around and he's sharing the gospel with them. And then the book closes with this in verses 30 and 31. These are the final verses of Acts 28. It says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And the book ends. And it's fascinating because it's like, well, what happened next? It doesn't speak about Paul's martyrdom, like Paul being killed or anything like that. Luke cuts the book dead there. And I think one of the key reasons why Uh, Luke does that is simply because what it says to the reader is the acts haven't finished the point of the book is for you to read this and for it to continue that you read this and you are stirred in your spirit that the spirit of god would be in work in you and guess what we go out we go out and we share the gospel and, and what's written and documented in Acts, we almost write and document for us our, ourselves, Acts and leads. That we have Acts and leads, and it all comes through the sharing of the gospel, the proclamation that Jesus Christ died and rose again for the forgiveness, like for the, the remission of sins, that we can be forgiven in Him, and that we can have life eternal. preach the gospel let us share the gospel don't do what I do at times and cower in fear and give yourself 10 reasons as to why you shouldn't share with your next door neighbor, invite them round, dinner whatever it might take, share let these acts continue in Wakefield in Pontefract in all the surrounding areas in York, in Leeds in Bradford, wherever we're from Let us share the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so I just want to invite the worship team back. And so we can just sing a song, sing unto the glory of God because he's such a faithful God. And in our times of fear, he's with us. It's not uncommon to have it, but we can have courage. And we can have boldness just as the, the, the apostles prayed for boldness. And you might feel why, like I feel ashamed almost to need boldness just to share with my neighbor when my neighbor isn't going to take me before court for me to be killed. <laughs> like, that's okay if you feel that way. It's fine. I feel like that sometimes. Pray for boldness to overcome that and for the Spirit of God to be at work in you. And so let's meditate on that as we sing. And I'm just going to pop back up. Awesome. Thank you guys.